Did you know there was a free five-part podcast series all about classroom management? In this series, learn how I went from using traditional classroom management strategies without a lot of success to becoming a behavior detective. Discover how I help children with root cause of their behavior issues instead of just addressing the behavior itself. If you want to take a listen to this new series, just check the show notes. You're listening to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast, the podcast for quick, actionable ideas and tips to help you up your confidence and joy in educating little learners. I'm your host, Ashley Rives. Let's get to the show. Well, hey there. Welcome back to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast. You are listening to episode 37, Preschool Small Group Activity Ideas. So this episode is part of a five-part series all about small group, and this is the third episode in that series. So if you haven't already, check out the first two episodes in this series. It'll be episode 35 about the five benefits of preschool small group and episode 36 with information on how to group your small groups. So if you've listened to the first two episodes in this series, you know the benefits of having small group time, check, and you've got your groups all grouped up or have an idea of how to do so, check. So now it's time to figure out what are you even going to do when you call those groups to meet together? First and foremost, decide on what skills you want to focus on. These should be skills that you have assessed and want mastery with or maybe some missing skills that you have observed in the social emotional realm, maybe some attention to task or some self-help skills that you also want to focus on with a group of students. For example, as academic skills that I've used in the past, we have worked on 2D shapes, colors, name recognition, name writing, counting, sorting, patterning, numeral identification, letter identification, numeral sense. You could do letter sounds, but you could have any skill that you see a need for. So maybe it's coat zipping. We could work on that as a skill if we wanted to in a small group. Maybe it's a social emotional skill. You see that several students are lacking and you could create a lesson around that. So basically just really thinking about what do we want to focus on. And we talked about this last week in looking at our assessment results and finding commonalities with several students. So if several students are missing a skill, then now you know that that is a skill that you can create a group around. So now that you have your skill that you want to cover nailed down and the students you want to work with, it's extremely important to keep your small group time engaging and fun. No one is going to want to come and join you for worksheet time at the table when they could be playing. Sorry, but I'm not sorry. The truth is, if we want this to work, it needs to be seen by children as something as valuable as the free play that they're coming up with. So something that is exciting, engaging, and makes them go, hmm, what's that? I want to try it. All those things are going to make them want to come learn with us instead of a forceful situation where they have to come learn with us. 
So what kind of things should you be doing in small group that will keep that engagement, excitement up? The number one thing I like to incorporate is games. Just like Mary Poppins says, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun, and games are naturally fun. You don't even need a spoonful of sugar to get them to play them. So we play lots of different games. We play path games, bingo games, roll and cover, cover up games, all these great games that can focus on specific skills. And what's best about preschoolers is they don't mind replaying a game. They don't mind if you change the skill that they're working on, but keep the structure of the game the same because they've played it once and they go, oh, I remember how to play this. And if it created a great memory before, they're going to want to play it again. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel a ton. But we use path games, which is basically where you're just starting at one point and ending at another as a great way to work on one-to-one correspondence and counting. And depending on the accessories that you add, like a dice or a spinner or numeral cards, you can choose to work on numeral recognition, counting with one-to-one correspondence with a dice even more. Could work on subitizing. You can work on all of these things just in one path game. So not only are you just hitting on counting, you may also be able to hit on numeral recognition if you use numeral cards. Now I want to take a moment and stop and clarify. The games that we're talking about are not commercially made games. Do we love some cooperative, you know, games to play together? Absolutely. But when we're looking at small group, we're looking at keeping it short and sweet. We're looking at keeping it as enjoyable as possible and being able to get through more than one group in a day if possible. So these games are not commercially made. These are homemade type games that are quick, easy, engaging, and made just for preschoolers. Another game we love to play that is great for numeral recognition and counting with one-to-one correspondence is called Cover Up. Now, this one adds in an element of working with a friend and taking turns. So love that added benefit. This is a two-player game and they each have numerals on their side of the board up to 10. They roll a dice, they take turns rolling the dice and they figure out how many are on there. Now, you could choose to play this game a little bit differently. You could add a numeral die, two numeral dies, numeral spinner, um, whatever you want to add, but it needs to be able to go up to 10. And so they either count the number on the die or dice. Um, You may need to use two to get up to 10. And they cover up the numeral that they counted. Or maybe you do a spinner and you just are working on matching the numerals. So maybe they spun an eight and you're having them match the eight. You really can differentiate these games based on what your students need and where they are. And then reuse them again for a deeper skill like numeral recognition. And you could even have them name these numbers aloud as they cover them. Another game that never gets old with preschoolers is bingo, and bingo can be done so many different skills, right? Color bingo, shape bingo, number bingo, letter bingo, you know, we can just keep going on and on with the bingos. The way that we play bingo is they have to cover up all of them. 
And this generally leads to us all winning at the same time. My focus on these games is never a winner. My focus on these games is what we've learned. Do we celebrate that we've all won? Woo, we all got bingo. Yeah, we got it. We're learning our colors. I always like to drive home what we're learning, not who's winning. So these games are not your typical winner-loser games. These are focused on learning a skill, using the game as the vehicle, but everyone wins because we're all learning. And I use that phrase a lot. Oh my goodness, we're all winners because look how much our brains are growing. Look how much we're learning. And lucky for us, we teach preschool and they totally buy into this, unlike, you know, middle schoolers. The last game that I wanted to share with you today, which, you know, we do a ton of games, but I only have so much time in the day, is a roll and graph game. So this, again, can be used with lots of different skills. It has two parts and it actually takes two steps. So that makes it a little bit more in depth, but it's super fun. So they have a dice and one that we have is colors. So there's a color die and each side has a different color on it. And they roll the die and whatever color, you know, is on the top, they color that in on a separate page. So it's a graphing page. So all the colors are listed below and then there are squares going up for each one forming this graph. So they are going to keep rolling until one of the colors wins. So as they're playing this, I am sitting next to them saying, oh, what color did you get? Seeing if they can name that color. Are they able to match the color crayon that they're using to color in the graph with the color on the die? Are they able to name it? If not yet, I'm supplying that for them. Oh, you've got green again. Oh my goodness. Look how many greens you have. Let's see. We can count your greens. Saying green over and over again, helping them learn that that is green. But I am right there. And that's important because these are games that they could play independently. But remember, we're in a small group to help the children learn the skills and observe what they know. So we've got to be right there, ask the questions, get involved. Another thing that I like to bring into small group that really brings the engagement is manipulatives. Children love to touch things and lick things and break things. Well, you know, all the things because they're children. So bringing in manipulatives to touch and explore helps keep their interest. Just make sure they keep their tongues to themselves because that's just gross. Uh, some manipulative ideas include geoboards. If you've never used a geoboard, they're square boards with pegs that you can use with rubber bands to create different shapes and different designs. We like to do Play-Doh sensory materials. So maybe some Play-Doh mats. We have some uppercase letter mats and I show them how to roll the Play-Doh into snakes and form a letter using the Play-Doh mat. We can also use sensory materials in a smaller, just like tabletop tub. So I'll just use a, um, you know, maybe a 12 by 12 square container. I found some at Target years ago that have lids work pretty well, but we can put some beans, some rice, um, Easter grass, basically anything in there. And we can hide things. So we like to do these for name recognition and seeing if they can find their name, matching their name. We could do it with matching up letters and saying that letter's name. 
You can do it numeral shapes, basically anything, anything that has a game, maybe a matching component. You could hide one set of the matching into the sensory just to make it that much more engaging. We also use feed me boxes, feed, F-E-E-D. So basically I just take an old, you know, box from cereal or box from granola bars and I put an image on the front with an animal and their mouth wide open. And then I cut that mouth out and we can play a feed me game. And so maybe we will roll a die and say, oh, let's feed this monster or whatever it might be, all of the number fives. And you have, you know, different number manipulatives. Maybe they are, you know, small little tiles. Maybe they are magnet letters, whatever they are, and see if they can find those fives and feed them. Um, Also, you could do it just, you know, yourself. Oh, monster says he wants all the red ones. Can you feed him all the red? Then you're able to see, do they understand what the concept of red is? Then you can go even a step further and have them start naming things. So have them pick one up and say, oh, what are you feeding the monster today? And they tell you, I'm feeding a number seven or I'm feeding a letter A, things like that. So feed me makes it super fun because they get to drop the manipulative in that animal's mouth. So really adding in manipulatives is just another way to get them excited and get them wanting to touch what is on the table with you. Basically, just think of anything you could use. Is it pinchers? Is it grabbers? Is it a pointer? Anything you can add that makes it have this hands-on element. We even have this cool hat that kids can reach into. It's like a plastic hat. I think it's from Learning Resources. But like the top is open and so they can reach in and grab something out of it, but they can't like see down in it. That is, you know, another fun way just to add a little suspense And anything you can do to just kind of make it feel more game-like than it really is. The last type of thing I do in small group is activities. And honestly, activities are not as cool as games, but they certainly can be fun. Plus, you know, people love to feel accomplishment when they complete a task and activities are great for this. So some activity ideas that we do might be sorting, sorting all of the shapes. So you could even use as kind of your manipulative here, um, a tabletop pocket chart or a large pocket chart and have them sort cards with different items on them into shapes. Not technically a game, but still fun nonetheless. Another activity that we like to do that gets the children up and moving is for colors. And we have these paper magnifying glasses that have a certain color. So maybe yours is red. So you are going to go around the room and with your paper magnifying glass, you are going to look for red items and bring them back. And so we're just seeing, can they recognize that idea of red? Another one is a numeral puzzle. So we have number one to 10 and it's cut apart into strips. So this puzzle is in strips and there's one picture on it. So maybe there's a big shark and the numerals are one to 10 and there's cut into 10 strips. And so we're working on putting numerals in order, recognizing them, putting them in order 
and then getting to see what animal that created. Again, not a game, but an activity that children find interesting. More sorting, we can use mats for sorting. I like to use mats that have predetermined spaces for how many cards match onto that mat. So for example, I may have a mat that focuses on triangles. And so I have an image of a triangle and then I have four spots for cards that are triangles. So not only are they sorting, but they're seeing, oh, I found all the triangles. Let's move to something else. And again, this is where you are there talking about the names of those shapes oh my goodness, you found a pizza and you put it with triangle. A pizza is triangle shaped. So you're really working on those skills through language, through observing, through asking questions. So games, manipulatives, and activities are the main things I bring into preschool small group to keep it lively and exciting. If you would like to see pictures of the activities that were described today, head on over to the show notes and jump on over to the blog post. I've got some photos there to help you kind of visualize what was talked about here today. Also, if you're in need of some small group activities and you don't want to recreate the wheel and you want some done for you options, I've made what I do in my small groups available to you. I've got a small group pack for each of the 10 skills we talked about here, and each skill has 10 lessons within it. So you can learn more about that at the show notes as well. Just head to www.lovelycommotion.com slash episode 37. I am wishing you a wonderful week. Keep being lovely. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and help more preschool teachers just like you. Keep being lovely.